0: Welcome back, everyone, to the 10th episode of the Take the Points podcast. I'm your co host, Tate Seth, with Arjun Menon, as usual, where we're doing an episode today about what needs to happen for every team in the NFL to win the Super Bowl. Arjun, are you excited for this one?
1: Yeah, very excited for this one. This is kind of an episode that will showcase some of the conversations we have on the daily, like when we're um, at school and like the season's going on or even during the summer. So it'll be fun to kind of like put our conversations online, put some of our thoughts online for people to hear. And, and also like, I think it's, it'll be good to like give some recognition to some of the teams we don't really talk about a lot just because, um, they're not really in a competitive state right now.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, yeah, I I agree. I think this is gonna be a fun one. And, you know, just just a disclaimer, like I'm going to be traveling this week. So we're recording a week early. So apologize if there's any big news that comes out uh, and changes something we mentioned in the episode. But basically, what we're doing today is Uh, we're kind of doing what every NFL team uh, or fan of every NFL team, especially fans of bad teams will throw out these if statements when hyping themselves up this year, you know, the most common one is if we can stay healthy this year, we can make the playoffs, uh, which is fine because, you know, there's, there's usually, you know, there's a 50% chance of a team being above average in injuries, right? Like, so so that's, that's kind of how that works. So, you know, in a perfect world that would mean there's a 50% chance that they make the playoffs. The problem is, when you start ca- compounding if statements together, the probability dramatically decreases. Like right? if we stay healthy and our quarterback uh, becomes a top 12 quarterback, which let's say has a 20% chance of happening, you know, you multiply those two probabilities together and all of a sudden you have a 10% chance of your team making the playoffs. So, uh, you know, we, 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 it's, it's tough when you have multiple if statements you need for your team to be a championship contender, but that's why we're going to go through that for each team today
1: yeah that's that's a great point and when i was putting together my if statements for my teams like i, I thought of it as like a parlay like the more ifs you add the, the higher the odds and the worse of uh, implied probability that you have so really excited for this one and um you know today we're basically just going to go through every nfl team and some of the if statements they need to be super bowl contenders and the way we'll do it 32 teams me and tage will alternate each team based on uh, you know the first super, like the the best Super Bowl odds, and I'll take the next. So Tage will start with the Bills. I'll do the Bucks. Tage got Tage will do the Chiefs, and so on and so forth. So Tage, what are the things that you think need to happen for the Bills to win the Super Bowl this year?
0: Yeah, yeah. So the the Bills at, at plus six hundred are you know only a one if statement team because like I think they're the the best team in the NFL right now, and the market agrees. You know, top four quarterback, pretty good offensive line. Uh, Stefan Diggs and Gabriel Davis go well together. You know, really good defense last year, and they added Von Miller and, you know, the best safety duo in the league. So my if statement for the Bills are their Super Bowl contenders, if their corners can stop explosive passing plays that can help them beat the Chiefs and the Chargers, uh, both in the regular season and the playoffs, uh, you know, teams like that. Um, you know, this is basically can Tredavious White still play at a high level after his injury. Can Kair Elam play at a league average level as a rookie? And we know that's so tough for rookie corners to step in and do that. But you know, if if they stopped the Chiefs in the fourth quarter on, on one of those drives last year, I think they would have, you know, blown out the Bengals in the AFC championship and probably would have won the Super Bowl. So if they do that this year, they should be able to, to be, you know, Super Bowl champions uh, you know, out of out of the the really tough AFC. Yeah,
1: no, that's a. I love that. And obviously the bills are favored in the betting markets for a reason. So one, if statements kind of all you need. Um, So the first team I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers plus 700 to win the Super Bowl. Um, Weirdly enough, like I think the Bucks are actually a team that has a couple if statements, you know, despite being the second high highest uh, or second best odds. So my first one is if Julio Jones can stay healthy and provide the bucks a solid, a third receiving option, um, even with Godwin. And if Godwin's not playing, then, he could be the second option behind Russell Gage. I, I don't really know how that's going to play out, but, but yeah, you know, a healthy Julio's still up there with, with some of the best receivers in the game. So if he can stay healthy, healthy, I think that will help Brady because you know, Brady succeeds when he has a lot of weapons at his disposal. Um, second one, if the interior offensive line can hold up um, and not be a massive liability, you know, like one of the things we looked at at PFF is like the, the more weak links you have in the offensive line, the worse off you'll be. And, I mean, the pucks just lost Ryan Jensen. So this is like not a great start to the season for them. And, you know, one of the things you guys um, are, you talk, you've always told me is like Brady's doesn't handle interior pressure well. So his interior offensive line collapsing already is not great. And then finally, if they can still field a dominant front seven, um, you know, it doesn't really matter about stopping the run, but can they get to the passer well enough? even losing JPP and they were at to replace Jason Pierre-Paul with Joe Tryon. Shaniqua who was a first rounder last year. And then uh, can they replace uh, Sue with Logan Hall, who was their uh, first pick of the draft this year? So a couple of statements, but that's what I have for the Bucs.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, no, that's, that's really interesting that, you know, they, that that's kind of like the difference between the NFC and the AFC right now. Right. Like I think the top of the AFC just has a, a couple question marks and then top of the NFC has, has a lot of, things that have to go right for them to be championship contenders but you know it's going to be a lot easier in the nfc and you know like with my next team with being the chiefs uh you know plus a thousand to to win the super bowl right now they're they're only a two if statement team to me um you know still have the best quarterback in the league top five offensive line best tight end um but one thing on offense and defense is is kind of what i have to see going right for them to to win the super bowl this year you know on offense it's if Sky Moore or Juju Smith-Schuster can emerge as a true wide receiver one. And I think if that happens, their offense will remain at a top five level because that does so much for them. It opens up the middle of the field for Kelsey. It lets uh, MVS run deep, you know, really changes the way defenses play them and all that stuff. Um, on defense, it's if the edge rushers can produce at an above average level, right? So we know Chris Jones is going to be good in the middle as he always is. But whatever combination of Frank Clark, George Carl Laftis, the first rounder this year, and then Carlos Dunlap, who they just signed, they really need to get to the quarterback because this secondary is, is weak without Tyron Matthew now. Um, And so if they can get pressure on the quarterback, you know, I think that could really help out their, their entire defense.
1: Yeah. Love that. And again, Frank Clark, uh, Low, he yeah, had the most negative WAR in, in 2021 among all players. Um, one hit, one uh, pressure in the AFC Championship game, as our friend Eric here likes to say. So, um, so I have the I have the Packers next, and again, like the Packers, I feel like are not that like their roster, especially on offense, is not that elite. But they're 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 the fourth best odds because they're playing the NFC, you know, weak conference, and getting to the Super Bowl um, will be an easier road than playing in the AFC. But for me. it starts with if the defense can beat a top five defense with i mean with all the stars that they have they drafted two georgia players in the first round and i mean this is the year that like you want to see everything come together i thought joe barry did a great job last year even without zadari smith and jair Jair alexander um and now they get jair back and Rashawn gary is a depoy candidate right so i think they have all the pieces on defense to potentially be a top five unit then it it pretty much just relies on the offense like can this The Packers opted to do what the Chiefs did, which is they wanted quantity over an elite receiver and then two or three just like average guys, right? So they go and get Sammy Watkins straight up for Christian Watson, Romeo Doves, who seems like the star of training camp. So if this quality over quantity or quantity over quality thing ends up right, I think it'll it'll help them a lot to make the Super Bowl because that's what has held them back in the past. Then... Um, if the offensive line won't be a massive liability, especially in the playoffs when they can, kind kinda of need the offensive line to handle some of these elite pass rushes of the of the Bucks and and the 49ers. Um, Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari coming off season ending injuries. I mean, obviously they're upgrades over Zach Tom people like Zach Tom and uh, whoever whoever's starting a guard for the for the Packers, but you would like to see them back healthy. And then one last if statement, but doesn't really need to be there. Like, can the special teams just be confident? Like, it's just, it seems like year in and year out, the Packers special teams is just a priv. And I mean, that's kind of what lost them the 49ers game in the playoffs because, you know, the block punt for a touchdown.
0: Yeah. You know, as, as a Lions fan, I'm so scared of Romeo Dubs. Like, like every single day, there seems to be like some fa- five crazy highlights that he's putting together in training camp. And if they found someone, you know, to, to step in right away and be like a good good wide receiver after you know I was kind of making fun of the Packers all offseason for not having any good wide receivers. It's gonna it's gonna really stink and and you know Rogers always makes it work uh, until it comes to you know divisional round and onward. But um, you know looking at looking at the Rams next uh, eleven to one to win the Super Bowl. Um, I think so. I think the interesting thing about the Rams is they got called like the Stars and Scrubs team last year, but they weren't really right. Like they had a lot of good pieces there. Uh, outside of like their their main stars, and like that's why they won the Super Bowl. But you know, having no von Miller the whole season who was a huge, you know jump for them on on defense and culture setting last year. and then missing Odell for at least half the season makes them kind of like a like a two if statement team, um which you know is 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 kind of tough. So I think I think you know they're their championship contenders, if their offensive line gels together quickly because right now, like when you look at their offensive line, it seems to be almost like an average to below average line going into the season, right? Logan Bruss is a third round rookie who's going to be starting at right guard. Uh, Joe Noteboom is taking over for Andrew Whitworth at left tackle. Uh, they basically had no success running the ball last year. They ranked 25th in EPA per play. So they already weren't doing that good running the ball. And, you know, that's even with like kind of like the McVeigh boost of supposed to be a good run game coordinator, So, you know, I think, I think the, the offensive line there, you know, they're probably not going to have a good rushing attack because of their offensive line. And then in the past game, so many of Cooper cups, like longer developing routes where he's able to kind of make multiple moves was because the offensive line held up so well last year on uh, Stafford's like seven step drop backs that, you know, the offense really leaned leaned into last year. So if the offensive line is, is a lot weaker and they're not able to do a lot of seven-step dropbacks or, you know, heavy play action or different stuff like that, you know, it's really going to hurt, hurt the team. Um, And then on defense, you know, we know Aaron Donald is going to be amazing as usual. And Mm -hmm. uh, Greg Gaines has also really shown, shown some good flashes in the interior, but, you know, I, I think their defense goes as far as if Leonard Floyd and Justin Hollins can really step it up uh and and be become like really good pass rushers uh you know last year I thought they were fine and but they weren't like great pass rushers which was weird because they're getting easier matchups than almost anyone in the league because of you know how good that interior defensive line is and and kind of like the scheme that they play in so they they really should be taking advantage of that um you know getting raking pretty high in pressure rates and I really think that could that could help out a defense that you know, is is probably going to lean into that the, the four defensive linemen there that yeah. that uh, they mentioned.
1: Yeah, I'm a, I'm excited to see what type of comp pick Greg Gaines nets the Rams next year <laughs> in, in free agency after he plays another year with Aaron Donald on the interior. Um, but yeah, I, I loved all those choices for the Rams. So so now we move on to my Los Angeles Chargers, fourteen to one to win the Super Bowl. Odds have kind of moved a little bit since uh, they opened uh, like back in March or February. Um, so basically I think it's simple. Like if this defense can at least just be league average, they'll at least make the playoffs. And then it's just about, can, can Herbert just do what he does best in prime time. But, but like, obviously they made a bunch of moves in free agency to just give Staley the pieces he needs to run this three, four, two high scheme. And I think, they did enough so as long as their league average they have top five upside with this defense in my opinion and you know they obviously health is the big thing but that's number one number two if whoever whatever trash can they, they trot out at right tackle if he can just be like competent and like and just like not perform at the Raiders level that uh, Storm Norton performed at I think I think that'll be enough like I think the Chargers have one week link and it's right whoever's going to be starting at right tackle like I know you're not you're not as tuned in with charges as i am but the buzz around the right tackle position comes from like trey pipkins and because he trained with duke manyweather in the off season and somehow people think that's going to like magically fix his like his pass blocking issues and whatever but i i'm not buying it and i still think you know whoever wins that battle is going to be bad and then, and then finally he's just can is herbert willing to dink and dunk his way that down the field if or when teams employ more too high versus him and and can the Chargers cast the ball for once in, in Herbert's lifetime, I think will help their efficiency on offense and make them a more potent passing attack.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think, I think it's really interesting when, when Daniel Popper was on the athletic football show last week, as Robert Mays was doing his training camp tour and they were talking Chargers, like he kind of said, like, the only thing I'm worried about is right tackle, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, like, like you could, if you wanted to like very nitpick, say like wide receiver three yeah. for, for the Chargers or something, but you know, her- Herbert Herbert being that good and Keenan Allen Mike Williams you know still being a very good wide receiver duo will will make that okay. But yeah, like I think the defense is is right there with you know the best in the league just because of you know typical positive defensive regression uh, that that happens because of you know how unstable defense is compared to offense year to year. But also yeah, just adding. All those pieces and and getting that scheme right should should make the chargers you know really fun to to watch this year and i'm excited to to see you react to a lot of the games this year yeah. um hopefully hopefully a lot of wins but okay so 49ers now 16 to one uh i so okay so the interesting thing about the 49ers is they only really need one thing to happen for them yeah to yeah. be bona fide championship contenders right like but yeah. problem is while the other teams we listed needed two or three things for them to happen That like when you when you multiply those probabilities together, like the parlay, like you mentioned at the beginning, like (laughs) that still has better odds than this one thing happening for for the four diners, right? So it's you know it's pretty obvious. Uh Trey Lance, you know, needs to have a higher EPA per play than than Jimmy G, or at least be a more explosive passer. Like whatever whatever you define as high-end quarterback play, Trey Lance needs to hit that. And you know. I, I was, I was tweeting about this earlier this week, but Trey Lance doesn't necessarily have to be a better quarterback than Jimmy G for the 49ers offense to be better because, you know, he uh, he'll, you know, he, just him being there will, you know, linebackers will be able to flow less in the run game because they have an extra guy to account for mm-hmm. now and defenses won't be able to play as, you know, as far back uh, because, you know, they'll have to put someone else there to to stop the run and, and, you know, his arm kind of opens up what you can do on the field, but, you know, he he really does have to, like, rank higher than Jimmy G has ranked in EPA per play, which is a tough bar because yeah. Jimmy G is consistently ranked, you know, top eight in EPA per play in that scheme every single year. So if he makes that offense more explosive and, you know, kind of lets them, you know, have the ability to, in, in the two-minute drill, like drive down the field or, or different stuff like that, I think the 49ers are, are definitely set and, and, you know, one of the best teams in the NFC. Yeah,
1: and my favorite part about recording this today is – I mean, like you said, we were recording this a week early. So we're recording this on the day we interviewed Ben Brown and Judah Ford Gang. So we've been talking gambling all day. And so like this whole idea of like Trey Lance, like his odds to like become drastically better is like higher or is, yeah, higher, higher odds. It's like plus 800 and like the parlay that we've been speaking of for the previous teams, are, like plus 700 or 600. Yeah. I, I think that's a great way of, of putting that. So, yeah. um, okay. Now we have the Broncos also 16 to one. And I mean, I think it's, I think it's pretty straightforward. Can, can Russell Wilson actually pick up and be fluent in a like a completely new offensive scheme in year one? Can he kind of resort back to those 2017 to 2019 Russ levels where he's kind of an elite quarterback, putting the team on his back. And then I think this offense could really go right. We, I mean, Tim Patrick getting hurt, obviously uh, or him, Patrick getting hurt does not help uh, Russ's case. You know, he was a guy that I was looking forward to seeing Russ potentially target over the middle and, help rush russ's efficiency um over the middle of the field but that's gonna hurt. Um another thing like if these corners like Patrick stratan and Ronald Darby continue playing at the level that they were for Vic just because you know we know corner plays so volatile year over year and, and for years Vicfangio's got the best out of his corners but a completely new coaching staff that might not be the case. And then also um, if this new coaching staff can, like, handle the new responsibilities, Nathaniel Hackett, first-time head coach, Edgerow, Evero, first-time defensive coordinator, um, like, first-time calling the plays in his life. Like, it's going to – I think there's going to be, like, a transition period for everyone. But if they can get past that period pretty quickly, I mean, they always, obviously they have the talent on this roster to make it go. And then, finally, um, I, I do like the Broncos running backs. Like, I think you tweeted about it. But, like, can they find a good balance between being ex- explosive and efficient? you know, Javante Williams was explosive, but he wasn't that efficient. And Melvin Gordon was efficient, but he wasn't that explosive. So mm-hmm. that's, that's not a bad balance to have between your two backs. Like if, if you have one, that's good in one thing and one that's bad in the other, then that's, I mean, that's not the worst thing in the world, but, but that's what I have for the, for the Broncos.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree with all of those. And I, I like how you brought up the running back point at the end, because my favorite rushing duo that, you know, as long as I've been watching football was the 2017 Saints with Mark and, oh, yeah. Brown and Kamara. Oh, you know, the thunder and lightning. So, you know, this, this might be the Walmart version of that. I don't know. <laughs> Melvin Gordon and Matthew Williams are as talented as those two, but it's definitely the right strategy I think to take it at, at running back. But yeah, the, the Tim Patrick injury really stinks because like the whole appeal of like the Broncos supporting cast was like, they were going to roll out these four, like, Talented wide receivers were were. There's not one that's necessarily like a top ten, top fifteen wide receiver. Mm-hmm. They're all just like good wide receivers. And like you know what you've talked about with weak league systems, like with and wide receiver like being one of those positions. Like it would have been so hard for defenses to stop four receivers that could all beat them. So losing Tim Patrick there, I think you know starts to make the supporting cast not look as good as uh as as it it was thought to be at the beginning of the season. Yeah, but okay, so Dallas Cowboys twenty to one. Um, You know, when I was kind of going through this exercise, I like started to realize I'm like, oh, like the Cowboys roster isn't as good as I, I think it is, like, especially, you know, at at some positions. Um, I, I, I don't have many concerns about Dak. I think, you know, he played really well last year until he got injured in that game against the Patriots and then, you know, struggled, especially on a lot of the throws on the run and out of the pocket that he likes to do. Um, I think CeeDee Lamb is more than capable of being a wide receiver one. And then Micah Parsons is obviously one of the most important players uh, in defense and all of football right now. So my if statements are if Kellen Moore is able to keep up the creativity uh, on, on offense throughout the whole season and, you know, is able to figure out stuff with a lesser talented wide receiver core early on in the season. Right. So I think Kellen Moore is a pretty good offensive coordinator Overall, um, you know, the, the, the Cowboys had, you know, their fair share of talent depletion since that 2016 team, and he was able to scheme up a pretty good offense last year, uh, you know, beat the Vikings with, with a backup quarterback and everything, but the creativity definitely dropped off as the season went on. Mm-hmm. Um, if Neville Gallimore takes a step forward and shores up an interior defensive line that is really bad right now, like, you know, I think... Awful. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, you know, teams might be able to get their way in the run game on them and and different ty- you know, type of stuff like that. So he's he's kind of who I'm eyeing to, to take a step forward there. And then, you know, if if Mike McCarthy can handle game management, game managing better, right? Like Jerry Jones at any time could call the Saints, trade a first round pick and have Sean Payton as their head coach in 2023. I think Mike McCarthy knows that. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of pressure on him to succeed this year. Uh, I didn't like the way that he, you know, he managed the the game against the 49ers in the playoffs. And that kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Um, but overall, like I, I didn't think his game management was too great last year. So I, I would like to see him do that better. And I I think if all of those three things happen, the Cowboys are, are right back in the conversation in the NFC.
1: Yeah, I agree. And then Helval Gallimore thing is funny. Like I remember I was tweeting about how the Cowboys like, I, like they could see some serious aggression this year, and I, I pointed to the interior D lineman group, and I had fans in my mentions like, "Oh, you don't know about Neville Neville Gallimore, like, or Carlos Watkins, like, these guys are like really good." I'm like, "Okay, I just looked at their stats, not even their PFF grade, like, just their stats, and." I mean, none of them showed up pretty highly in anything. So, Um, but yeah, I love those points about the Cowboys and I think the market's a little bit down on them. but I could easily see them having a bounce back here or not even a bounce back here, just a year that they had last year. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have the Ravens now plus or 22 to one. So the Ravens, I actually had the least amount of if statements for that any of any of my teams. So number one was if they can develop a potent passing attack, which will win them games in the playoffs, because the thing with the Ravens is like, they're so good in the run game and being good in the run game can win you games in the regular season. But once you get to the playoffs and you have to play the Chiefs, the Bills, the Chargers, uh, like those kind of, kind of teams, I mean, you have to be able to pass the ball to win. And that's the one thing the Ravens have lacked. And it's not, uh, it could be a Lamar problem, it could be a Greg Roman problem, or like just not having receivers. And I mean, that's kind of an issue that they're looking into this year. So I think if they can just develop a potent passing attack, it should help them in the playoffs. And then number two is just like, If they can get the players that were injured for the entire year last year not they don't even need to be back to 100%. I think if they can just get back to 80% of the players they once were, that's going to be a, such a drastic difference over starting literal practice squad guys for the entire year at certain positions like running back corner. Um and so uh, like Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters at, at their peak were probably the top cornerback duo in the league and even at 80%, that's probably a top 5 cornerback duo. So just getting some players back from uh injury would would be good and I mean, again, the Ravens have one of the best coaching staffs in the league. And to get eight wins from that bad of a roster last year with all the injuries, I think they should be right back in the hunt if everything goes to plan. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I I really love the first point because, you know, I think the Ravens are the most moneyball team in the NFL. And like one of the criticisms, if you want to call it that, of moneyball and baseball with the Oakland A's is it hasn't worked in the postseason, right? Like mm-hmm. when you want to optimize your roster, you want to use the whole data set of 32 NFL teams and kind of see, you know, what correlates with wins and what doesn't. You don't want to use whether or not a team like won a Super Bowl or made it to the Super Bowl because you're, you're working with small sample sizes there. So, you know, when these Moneyball teams are building their models, that's usually what they're doing. And sometimes that leads them to be optimized for the regular season. And, you know, that's okay. Like, you know, the all the teams with Kirk cousin quarterbacks are, are optimized for the regular season. Right. And yeah. it's worked out, you know, pretty well for like the tight ends or, or anything like they've stayed relevant and like, that's what they want, but yeah, you're right. You need, you need a top end passing attack to, to win in the playoffs. And that's, that's something I hope the Ravens are, are able to get this year. I have their division rival um, Cincinnati Bengals also 22 to one. Uh, you know, I, I, wish you got this one as uh <laughs> as the leader of, of the the Bengals to miss the playoffs train, but my, my three if statements for them are if they have an answer for all the two high shells they're going to see to stop the explosive plays that they relied so heavily on last year, right? So, you know, Zach Taylor hasn't been um, allotted for his play calling ability. You know, there's been lots of criticisms of it. So hopefully they, ha- you know, if they want to be really good this year, they have to have the foresight that two high is going to be thrown at them a lot and, you know, have beaters for that type of stuff. Um, if, if Joe Burrow doesn't go either for the big play or the sack, but can just like actually take like, you know, four to between four and six yard gains on first and second down, um, you know, his tendency to, to go for the deep ball a lot worked out for them well last year, but you know, so many sacks, you know, uh, eventually will, will hurt you a lot. Um, And that's why he had, you know, a a negative EPA per play uh, throughout the playoffs was because, you know, the nine sacks against the Titans and the sacks he took against the Rams and different stuff like that, um, which was fine because they also did get big plays in that game. But, you know, eventually that that's going to run out. Uh, And then something I think I'm most excited for uh, is if playing Dax Hill with Jesse Bates and Von Bell and the three safety sets that I think they're going to run is going to be enough to cover up for their cornerback deficiencies. Right. So Eli Apple is just, is just not, it's just not it. Uh, at, at, <laughs> so I think, I think yeah. if you roll out these three safety sets and Dax Hill is ready, uh, I, I, that's very exciting for, for the Bengals on, on defense.
1: Yeah, no. T- so I, I like two things about, about like having the Ravens and Bengals back to back. So, you know, the Bengals and Ravens, so the Ravens have better division odds at plus 160 and the Bengals are plus 190, but their Super Bowl odds are the same because the Bengals have higher upside in the playoffs because of their passing attack, right? The, like Vegas is already pricing in the fact that the, the Ravens haven't shown any type of uh, potency to, to be able to pass the ball efficiently in the playoffs. But the Bengals, even just with the explosive play, something the Ravens can't do all that often because of their receivers or quarterback or play calling or whatnot, like they can't do that. So they have the same Super Bowl odds, and that, that was something I noticed early in the in the off season. And it's coming full circle now that we're talking about it. And yeah, I mean the the three safety stuff is going to be interesting. And I mean, I, I think I think I don't think their cornerback plays like that bad, but I do think like guys like Chidobi, Wozie, and Mike Hilton could see some regression because like they have both at like, career years, and you know, coverage is too volatile not to regress. Um, mm-hmm. So now we have the Indianapolis Colts also plus are twenty two to one. So my first if statement is if Matt Ryan can open up the playbook more than Wentz was able to. So, I mean, like Wentz, like EPA wise, was like a league average quarterback where he might be a little bit better. Um, but like the the thing that, w- you know, you kind of had like a discussion on Twitter with Steven Ruiz about is like, yeah, Wentz might've like stats wise been okay, but like he, he had such a dimmed down playbook. Like Reich was like baby feeding him. Right. And that's, that's one of the things that, like Matt Ryan, you know, he doesn't have to do. He's such an experienced quarterback. He's kind of been through every type of or faced every type of defense you need to face in the NFL. And playing with someone like a genius offensive play caller like Frank Reich that should help open up the playbook a little bit more. And I mean, we could see Wentz or Ryan be a more efficient passer than Carson Wentz was last year. Um, second one is if they can de- develop second or reliable secondary receivers outside of Michael Pittman. They drafted Alex Pierce from Cincinnati. Um, They have uh, Paris Campbell from Ohio State coming back from injury. Um, But, like, they just don't have right now a good second receiver on the roster. And, I mean, you're probably going to see a heavy mix of run plays and play action shots because they just don't have the receivers to get open. If the young pass rushers they have can take another step forward and be reliable throughout the season, because this also leads to my last one, like if Gus Bradley's scheme works, because everyone is moving away from Gus Bradley's scheme. And Gus Bradley's scheme is rush four, drop seven. So it's so reliant on Quiddy Pay and uh Deo O'Dingbo, who's like they called him like the tornado. Right? Like can they get to the passer along with DeForest Buckner? Can they provide a steady pass rush? Because if they can't, if they can't get to the pass rusher, your corners in cover three are going to suffer. Like I like Stefan Gilmore, he's great. He's over 30, like, and he's going to be playing in one of the toughest schemes a corner can play in. There's a lot of pressure on them to succeed on that island. So if your pass rushers don't get home, that's going to be a major issue for this Colts defense, which is playing a style of defense that everyone in the NFL is moving away from.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I I as as they play some of those explosive quarterbacks that just eat up single high. I'm I'm excited for your the Gus Bradley special tweets to to be <laughs> thrown out there. Oh, uh, you know, when when we saw like, you know, Patrick Mahomes put up 40 piece Twice on the Raiders last year with Gus Bradley as, as their defensive coordinator, but yeah, no those those are those are really good. I'm 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 excited to see you know Matt Ryan open up the playbook. I'm I'm glad Stephen uh, was kind of like opened my eyes to to how limited the Colts were last year with once. So yeah, it'll it'll be really cool this year. Um, you know, a, a team that has a lot of uncertainty at quarterback. Uh, the Cleveland Browns twenty five to one. Um, you know, my kind of if statements for them, like the biggest one is. If Jacoby Brissett is to is able to keep the Browns at five hundred, uh, for as long as Deshaun Watson is suspended, so you know, at, at the time we're recording, uh, we don't know how long he's he's suspended for. Um, I guess it'll be more than six games. You know, based on the NFL's appeal. So you know, we've seen Jacoby Brissett have some success. Uh, you know, when he filled in for the Colts, uh, when Andrew Luck retired, but that fizzled out by by the end of the season. I think Kevin Stefanski is a pretty good play caller but I don't know if he's Reich level to, you know, to, to really get Jacoby reset uh, there at that level. But like the Browns defense might be good enough to, to keep them at, at 500, you know, if Deshaun Watson mm. spent eight or 10 games and then he'll come back and, and, uh, and go from there. Um, another one is, you know, at, at wide receiver, if Amari Cooper is able to keep up his route running ability throughout the whole season, right? Like we've seen Amari Cooper have fast starts, to the season, we've seen him play well in domes and, you know, in, in, uh, during, during one o'clock regular season games, right? Like, and you know, the, the problem that he's had is when it's outdoors, when it's cold later in the season, he doesn't seem to kind of have the production that he usually has. So, you know, yeah. if he's able to do that, you know, coupled with DPJ and the tight ends that the Browns have, I think that could be pretty good weapons, but it, he, it, it, a lot relies on him there. Um, and then if their interior defensive line of Jordan Elliott and Taven Bryan isn't about a five unit in the league, you know, kind of similar things they want to run, uh, you know, a lot of too high, a lot of quarters uh, and you, you need some some interior defensive linemen to, to gap in a half and, and make sure that you're not getting run on for five, six yards of carry. So I think that's very important for, for those guys to step up.
1: Yeah. It's pretty interesting that they, they, they paid their interior offensive line so much money and they kind of like neglect, neglect eh, neglected the interior defensive line and yeah the cooper point is great and I, I remember you me and steven ruiz again who we just talked to a lot he kind of told us like he didn't think amari was a great fit for the browns offense because of a lot of like the blocking stuff they'll have to do but yeah i mean i'm not not going to count him out because of how good he is as a receiver um next up i have the philadelphia eagles 25 to 1 Uh, First, if statement, if the addition of A.J. Brown can open up the passing game over the middle and make the overall attack more efficient, obviously they traded for him to be their over the middle yak type of guy. And Devontae Smith, I guess, is more of a possession receiver who works more on the outside. Kind of leads into my second one. Like, if the run game can still be a dominant unit behind, like, I would say, like a top three offensive line under Jeff Stoutland, who's probably the best in the business right now. Uh, Jalen Hurts and and Miles Sanders should form a pretty good rushing duo, and I mean Hurts obviously attacks or Hurts 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 the defense more with his legs and his arms at this point. But you know, obviously AJ Brown can uh, change that. And then finally, um, if the new secondary additions additions of uh, James Bradbury and Jaquiski Tart can elevate this defense to potentially being like a top eight unit, because like this this defensive line is, is pretty good. With Brandon Graham, uh, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, um, and uh, they just re-signed Josh Sweat, Sweat, I don't know what Sweat Sweat and um, Derek Barnett. So they have a pretty good front four. Uh, Kaiser White and uh, Nakobe Dean at linebacker, and I think their defensive secondary is pretty good. So looking for them, their defense to take take another step forward this year under Jonathan Gannon, who I think is planning to run a lot more Staley Fangio principles than he did last year.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, I know. I I'm, I'm really excited to see the, the Eagles run game of this year. I think, you know, they kind of found their groove um, after they, they played the lions, which most teams, that's what happens with most teams in the league. Um, But, you know, it kind of, kind of went from there and yeah, I'd really like that point about, about Hertz. Um, I think, you know, kind of a a team in a similar situation, Arizona Cardinals, 35 to one. You know, the, the first one is, is pretty obvious. Uh, If Cliff, Kingsbury and Kyler Murray don't experience their annual second half of the season offensive collapse. Uh, you know, first half of the season, like weeks one through eight, they've, the Cardinals have ranked third in EPA per play, uh, with Cliff and Kyler Murray there together. And the second half of the season they've ranked 21st in EPA per play. So that's a significant drop off more than, you know, some of the other, uh, coordinators that have had second half of the season drop offs like Sean McVay and Kellen Moore. Um, if the supporting cast around Kyler is good enough to be, you know, make them uh, a 500 team when Hopkins comes back from his suspension, so you know, I think Hollywood Brown is a good wide receiver too. But can he be a wide receiver one uh, at the beginning of the season for them? I think Rondell Moore was used very weirdly last year, only on screens. Uh, you know, had a negative average depth of target. So you know, if they fix that type of stuff and change up the scheme a little, that that could be cool. Um, and then, you know, kind of on the defensive end, there's, there's two if statements, you know, if Vance Joseph works his magic with the cornerback room and gets them not to be a bottom five unit because they are talent deprived there. Uh, and then, you know, if, if one of the linebackers drafted in the top 10, you know, Isaiah, or sorry, not the top 10 first round and Isaiah Simmons and Zaven Collins are able to live up to their draft, half of their draft status. That's all I'm asking for, right? Like, like you, they, they have just not been good so far. So just, you know, just take the, take the step forward and be a league average linebacker. Um, and then last one is if they let Connor McQuiston, uh, you know, do all the analytics for them, you know, during the, uh, during the season
1: this year. Yeah. Love, love that. Uh Yeah, I'm excited to see what the Cardinals come up with this year. They kind of look a big wild card to me. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, betting markets don't really think they're going to be that good, have their win total at eight and a half. So, um, love, love all those points you made. So, I have the Las Vegas Raiders now, and and Raiders are a team I'm a bit down on. But putting together these if statements, I wonder if I'm too down on them because, I mean, they're – it's kind of like just relying on a couple of things. So first was like, if the addition of Devonte Adams can make this passing attack, like, a top five, top three unit, because like Devontae, uh, Renfro and Waller might be one of the best trios in the NFL, like that, that a quarterback can throw to. But like after that, I mean, they don't really have like that reliable of a third option, like other or a fourth option, like some, some other teams have. Um, and then if this offensive line can just be league average, like I think I talked about it when I gave out the Raiders under, like this is one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL outside of Colton Miller. They literally have four weak links. And the funny thing is Raiders beat reporters are kind of reporting that even after Denzel good retired, like Brandon Parker might be starting over Alex Leatherwood at tackle. So oh, wow. it kind of tells you how bad Alex Leatherwood is, but you know, wisdom of the crowds when have told you that um, if this defense can, like maybe just be at least like league average or top 20 uh, and transition to a fanjo style defense. So like the Chargers struggled a lot going from Gus Bradley to Brandon Staley. Like now they're Raiders going from Gus Bradley to Patrick Graham, who's running the two high stuff. So the, the Raiders might have the work like a worse interior D line than the Browns and the Cowboys and their corners are nothing special. And Jonathan Abram, again, not a great safety. So if they can make a smooth tra- transition, then they should be okay. And then finally, if Josh McDaniels can be good at things like fourth down decisions and, and kind of like controlling the locker room because it didn't really seem like he had a good grasp on either of those things when he was in Denver last time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, all, all great points. And, you know, that's why you kind of talked me into being lower on the Raiders throughout the off season is because like initially I was so excited for Derek Carr to be throwing to Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro. Um, but you know, as, as you like, kind of looked at the other spots of the roster. I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's not as that's not as good as I thought. Um, the, the, okay, so New Orleans Saints 40 to one to win the Super Bowl uh, if Trevor Penning one stops getting into fights at training camp. Okay. But uh, jokes aside, is if if he's at least a league average uh, player at left tackle, I think that would be huge for them, uh, keeping keeping the offensive line, keeping Jameis upright. Uh, if Pete Carmichael can emulate. Sean Payton's ability as a play caller you know you're not gonna you're not gonna be as good of a play caller as Sean Payton like that's just not gonna happen so mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm curious to see kind of if he's at least picked up things about sequencing and Sean Payne was always so good at calling screens at the right time I thought like that was his best skill so like maybe Carmichael has picked up on like when to know how to do that and stuff um if Michael Thomas returns to 80% of what it used to be uh the slant quickness the overall catchability all that stuff would be massive for the Saints offense to just you know magically get back a top 15 top 10 receiver in the league uh and then you know if if Jameis Winston is able to keep his usage low this year right like I think he really excelled last year when the Saints were running the ball a lot um you know, kind of, kind of making sure, making life easy on Jameis, not making him, you know, feel like he had to be desperate and, you know, having a positive game script is so crucial for him. Uh, as you know, he, we've seen him get erratic, uh, when, when it's a negative game script. So if they, if they're de- you know, if they do stuff where their defense is, is getting turnovers early, or they're able to run the ball, throw screens to get Jameis in a rhythm, I think he can be really, really good in this offense. And I'd be really excited for the Saints
1: yeah the the james point is is probably the biggest contingency point and obviously because of the quarterback position they need him to step up so i love those points there uh, so i have the vikings now 40 to 1 um like look the vikings were a tough team for me because like honestly it's it's not about like the, the amount of if, if statements i have it's just like like it's the Vikings like this is just a league average team and I mean we know their floors is, is like missing the playoffs and their ceilings probably like the championship game but um, my first if statement was like if Kevin O'Connell running his version of whatever offense he's going to run um, under Kirk Cousins can it like can it work like can Cousins um, withstand like a high passing volume something that Matthew Stafford had last year and can that can that translate in, in the playoffs as well like can they rely on Kirk Cousins to be a potentially top eight top nine quarterback instead of like a league average quarterback he's been the past couple of years um, can this defense kind of like withstand some of the lack of talent across the board because this isn't a really a talented defense at all on maybe the defensive line has some talent with the interior defensive linemen and Zedary Smith and Daniel Hunter but the corners and the secondaries and all that great outside of Harrison Smith um, and, you know, they're, they're transitioning to Ed Donatel's too high defense. So we will be interesting to see how they pick up on that. And then uh, finally, like, if Justin Jefferson becomes the best wide receiver in the NFL, I think that could – I mean, I I'm not sure, I don't think it will raise the offense to a completely new level, but I do think it will just help uh, other receivers around it because defenses will have to key in uh, more attention on Jefferson and uh, uh, divide some of their coverage responsibilities to him specifically.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are, those are great. And yeah, like I think the Kevin O'Connell one is definitely the most important one. I think a fallacy that, uh, you know, we as NFL analysts kind of fall into sometimes is assuming that a play caller from a certain tree will run a similar scheme to the tree that they just came from or, you know, be as good of a play caller as the the coach that they were just under the, the previous year. But like, you know, we the Jets kind of found that out the hard way last year that that's not the case, actually um on on offense. So, you know, I, I I do think like he has a lot of excitement about him and yeah, I'm excited to see how the Vikings offense goes with him, but yeah, definitely definitely want to want to see that that actually happen week 1 and everything. Um another team getting a lot of hype, Miami Dolphins, 40 to 1. Uh first one is the biggest one if Tua can rank top 12 in EPA per play. Uh doesn't really need an explanation like, you know, just mm-hmm. Just go out there, show us, you know, show us that, that you were worth the draft pick, show us that, you know, you can maximize Jalen Waddell and Tyree Kill. But like, I think another like sneaky important one is if Mike McDaniels is able to run wide zone and play action with the Dolphins offensive line, not being that good, right? Like it's, it's probably not going to be the worst offensive line in the league. Like it was last year, but it's still not a good offensive line. And Mm -hmm. the 49ers really relied on having a good offensive line, especially the best, tackle in all of football so I, I think the dolphins really need that um if defenses respect tyree kill enough to play more too high against them which opens up things for Jalen waddle helps the run game all that type of stuff that that you know seeing a lot of too high does for an offense and uh you know if the defense is able to adjust to a scheme change right like i thought Brian ryan flores uh you know his aggressive cover one, sometimes cover zero, uh, depending on the opponent scheme was really good with the players that they have. And Siobhan Holland, you know, fit that role perfectly. And, um, you know, they, they, they have a lot of fun players on defense, but there is going to be a scheme change with, with a new coaching staff without Brian Flores running the, the ship. So I think, I think it'll, it'll, it'll be pretty big for their defense to, you know, maintain a top 10 level.
1: Yeah, I'm curious to see what type of upside Tyreek has in this offense, not getting the ball thrown to him by Patrick Mahomes and instead mm-hmm. to attack Maloa. So, um, yeah, next I have the Washington Commanders 70-1. to And so now we're kind of getting to the long shots here. So with, with Washington, to me, it kind of starts with their offensive line and their running backs. Like, if the running backs can take advantage of some of the perfectly blocked runs that this offensive line provides for them, because, like, one of the things our friend Eric Eager looked at was – Though Antonio Gibson was like one of the worst running backs to like taking advantage of a perfectly blocked run, which is one of the best plays in all of football, um, Gibson didn't. He had one of the highest rates of perfectly perfectly blocked runs, but that didn't translate into a high like yards per carry, and that's something that they need to improve on. Uh, some something else that needs to improve if Carson Wentz improves his accuracy, and all the early reports aren't signaling that right now. They there was like one line and a big reporter saying like they have less than a month to fix his accuracy issues. And I'm sorry to say, like, if you can't fix it in like a whole off season, I don't know what one month of cramming, like it's not the SATs, right? Like it's not going to help <laughs> you. Um, if this defense can take a massive step forward, uh, maybe a massive is too big, but like the, the problem with Washington's defense is they could not get off the field on third down. Like their, their cornerback room, of William Jackson and Kendall Fuller, like that's not a bad room at all. They just like sucked on third downs. And obviously when you third downs are one of the highest like variance plays where, you know, it also generates the most EPA because uh, you're not expected to gain a lot of points on third down. So um, when teams do convert on you, it hurts your overall defensive EPA. So getting off the field on third downs would be a big help. And hopefully getting a healthy chase young back would be helpful with that because, you know, another if statement for the, the last statement i have for the commanders is if the defensive line can do what they were paid slash drafted to do blow up the run and get the defense to expected pass situations where you can just send your best four pass rushers out there to eat and then uh drop seven and -hmm. and, uh go from there
0: yeah no that's a that's a great understanding of washington yeah i think you know uh, yeah a lot has to happen for for them to be good this year, but yeah, the third down defense thing is, is a great point and something that was, was really frustrating watching them last year, but hopefully, hopefully that gets fixed this year. Um, New England Patriots. Now uh, they, they this is probably the most if statements they've ever had uh, with Bill <laughs> as their head coach. Um, I think the, the biggest one is if Devante Parker is able to get back to being a thousand yard receiver for them. Um, you know, I think that was one of the more underrated trades of the off season. like Devante Parker Might not get that much separation, but he is a great contested catcher. And with kind of the other receivers that they had, you know, Kendrick Bourne being really good last year, uh, Hunter Henry, you know, being good and hopefully John Smith bouncing back this year. If Devontae Parker is able to be that true X receiver and with Mac Jones's accuracy, you know, being, being pretty good there, that could, that could help the development a lot, but Mac Jones, you know, another if statement there is, Matt Patricia doesn't have can't be one of the worst play callers in the league like a lot of us are expecting him to be uh you know just let mac Jones handle the offense um I know whenever Matt Patricia is around bad defense usually occurs so hopefully <laughs> that might be a good thing for the Patriots but I don't know I, I don't I don't know how I feel about that one um if Belichick works his magic again with Jalen Mills and Malcolm Butler as they're starting outside corners you know I'm um, I think they might have to lean a lot into their safety play this year, but you know, that scheme, you know, really puts a lot on their corners and losing JC Jackson is going to be a big loss for them. And then, uh, you know, just, just overall, like if the team isn't able to peak so early, like they did last year, you know, they, they were the one seed at one point in the AFC at eight and three, if I remember correctly. So that's kind of when they, when they went downhill from there. Um, So, you know, it it was Mac Jones not playing as well. It was Matthew Judon, you know, not, not being as good of an edge rusher. Uh, so just like if they're able to stay consistent throughout the season and then get hot as they get into the playoffs, they could be a championship contender this
1: year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, uh, again, I'm not betting against the Patriots, but a lot of things seem to be going against them this year. And I'm, I'm curious to see what type of uh, plan Belichick has in place. Um, so, so now we have the Carolina Panthers uh, one thirty to one. Uh, it's, it's interesting. I think the Panthers actually have like a decent upside and it kind of just banks on Baker Mayfield being good. Um, but it, it just starts with can Baker Mayfield be average first and then maybe we can talk about him being good. Um, so if you can get back to being a league, league average quarterback, that's kind of all you need with him. Based on his contract, and I mean, he's throwing the ball to DJ Moore and, and Robbie Anderson, and and he just he just needs to get and Christian McCaffrey obviously, and he just needs to be able to get the ball to his playmakers without making any bonehead decisions like he was making in Cleveland. Um, if the defense can be to a top ten unit again, like there's a lot of young talent on this defense: J.C. Horn, Brian Burns, um, uh, the safety uh jeremy jeremy chin you know kind of like their chess piece all over the field like can they be a top 10 unit again under phil snow because that will definitely help some of their offensive liabilities um if the new offensive line upgrades can make this unit at least like league average like you know um, i'm going to reference the study done by uh, our colleague or my colleague judah and and amelia like going from a bad to a good or at least average offensive line group like that those returns, marginal returns are pretty big compared from going from like average to great or good to great. So you want to make as many improvements to the offensive line as you need. And I think the the Panthers did that well this offseason. And then finally, if Bob McAdoo, McAdoo can be a good play caller and and kind of just be able to generate some of the easy throws for Mayfield to hit instead of forcing Mayfield to make uh, tough decisions.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that is a great point about the offensive line. I, I love that. Study by Amelia and, and Judah, and kind of yeah, ca- kind of something you know we've already talked about with weak links, but cool to see the data bore that out and, and actually make that a reality. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, if so, I think okay, so I think like for for this kind of be true, they have to start Pickett over Trubisky. We know what Trubisky is, we probably know what Pickett is, but. You know, mm-hmm. they still, they still should test it out at some point during the season. So when Pickett comes in, if he's able to play at the level that Mac Jones was able to last year. So, you know, that's, that's, you know, around like the 14th best quarterback in the NFL, a step in as a rookie, do everything you need to do. You know, the, the other pieces are around you. So, so just play, play pretty well. Um, if the offensive line doesn't play like a bottom five unit in the league, you know, they don't have that much talent at all. That's Ben Roethlisberger had to get off his passes really quickly, partly because of that, partly because he didn't have an arm. But, you know, that's that's the type of stuff that they really need to step up there. Um, if Cameron Sutton and Levi Wallace are at least above average corners, you know, we know their defensive line is gonna be good. Um, so so their their corners need to step up around Minka in the secondary. And then if the fourth defensive lineman, uh, that's not, you know, TJ Watt or Cam Hayward or Tyson Lawu. Takes a big leap and makes their front four just a complete nightmare for opposing offenses to handle.
1: Yeah, I I think it's going to be important for some other defensive lineman to step up following the loss of a uh, PFF favorite Stefan to it. So uh, that's a, that's a great point there. And if if I see the Steelers have a winning record by like mid I'm putting a bet on Mike Tomlin, Coach of the Year. Because, yeah, <laughs> like that's got to hit. Um, now I have the New York Jets. Um, it's pretty straightforward. If Zach Wilson can take a massive step forward in his development, it, it kind of all banks on that. It's not even like going from the worst to league average is a big step, in my opinion. And then in year three, we could see him take a step forward to being top 10, but at least him being league average would, would be, would be helpful. If Sauce Gardner can be in elite league cornerback right from the jump, potentially win defensive rookie of the year. Uh, if the pass rush with Jermaine Johnson and, um, getting car lost and back from injury can be as dominant as what uh, Robert Salah had in San Francisco. If uh, they can have a good early down run rate, like a good early down run rate means like not over 50 or not like even 45, like you want at least like a 60, 40 split um, to kind of like limit the, like limit the amount of expected pass situations. Wilson will be in, even if Wilson isn't all that efficient, if he's averaging like a positive EPA per play, that's more than likely going to be better than what your run game is giving you. Um, and so, and also if Robert Sillaw can be as good as on fourth downs as he was last year. And, and, and you know, he was relatively good on fourth downs uh, last year, which was, which was a positive for the Jets, even in a season which didn't really seem to have much hope.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, really like those. I, I, I do like the point about, you know, his fourth down decisions and everything. That's something that, you know, is sometimes gets lost with these bad teams like, the Jets or or the Lions or something, but yeah, their coaches Mm -hmm. are making good fourth down decisions. But I, 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 the team that's in a similar spot is like the Jaguars Uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence, you know, it's, it's if he is who we think he is and does rank top 12 in EPA per play, you know, despite their offensive line receiving options, not being exactly what you want to foster growth as a rookie quarterback, but he might just be that good where it doesn't matter. Um, If Travis Etienne's Injury didn't affect him. And like, he's one of the most explosive running backs in the league. Um, you know, we see, we see usually like running backs coming out of college, their explosive run rate translates well. And he was the most explosive rusher in the PFF database, uh, you know, 2014 through through 2021. If Brandon Sheriff is able to be a force multiplier on their offensive line, you know, getting someone in there who's played, you know, offensive line at a high level before I think could help the development of, of the rest of their offensive line and, you know, having like a guard that can run, you know, do a lot of cool, you know, concepts, especially in the run game. He was first and run block win rate last year and everything, I think could really help James Robinson and Travis Etienne in the backfield. And then I really liked what I saw from Trayvon Walker in the hall of fame game, which small sample size, but I'm I'm excited for, for someone of his athleticism on the defensive line. So if he can win defensive rookie of the year, I think that could be huge for the Jaguars defense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it probably all banks on Lawrence being good and a lot of draft hires being folded into there, but really, really curious to see how Doug Peterson treats Lawrence. Um, so now, Last or one of the last ones, New York Giants 130 to one. So it, it kind of like comes down to the partnership. So I was like, if Brian Dable and Daniel Jones can be can have a good um head coach, slash play caller, quarterback relationship, can like Daniel Jones be not just average? Like I think they need to be above average at this point. So like can he be a top 12, maybe top 10 quarterback? That's probably too big of a reach, but I mean, Dave was done wonders with Josh Allen before can, or if the, the their offensive tackles can be a, a top 10 tackle duo right off the bat, like Andrew Thomas took a little bit to develop, but, you know, he's one of the better tackles in the game now. And Evan Neal was was rated pretty highly for a reason. If the young pass rush with Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Odolari can make some plays, in the run and the pass game, I think that's going to help their, are pretty bad secondary out, you know, if they put uh, opposing offenses in expected pass situations, which not, not only helps the corners out, but um, will help uh, the the edge rushers not have to worry about, like, play action and things like that, and then you know, if their wide receiver room can elevate their play from last year, and uh, shouting out my guy, Judah Forke and Kadarius Tony, wide, wide receiver one season, so you know, it kind of all depends on uh, if their receivers can actually do what they were paid to do or drafted to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, Daniel Jones, I think is going to be really interesting this year. How much they lean into his rushing ability. Uh, you know, that he was ranked 31st in that athletic uh executive rankings, which I thought was, you know, kind of low. I think he is a little bit better than than that. Um, you know, but you know, it, it would be amazing if Dable could turn him into above average starter. Uh my Detroit Lions, uh 150 to one to win the super bowl. Uh, I have, have a couple of statements (laughs) as usual, but, uh, if Jared Goff is able to return to 2017 or 2018 level, that would, you know, just basically do it and definitely put them over their win total that so many people are betting, uh, that side of, um, if Jamison Williams is able to have a Jalen Waddle type season when returning from injury, right? Like just get going right away. Uh, you know, provide that explosive spark that the Lions offense needs. Um if Levi Ozarinke and Aiden Hutchinson on uh, the defensive line overperform expectations. Levi Ozarinke was a little disappointing uh, as a as a second round rookie last year. Uh you know Lee McNeil um as a third rounder kind of outplayed him. So if he's able to to step up and if Aiden Hutchinson you know just walks in and becomes the the edge rusher that people think he will be eventually that would be massive for the defense. Uh if linebacker Malcolm Rodriguez is able to be a day one starter the Lions have the worst linebacker core in all of football right now so Malcolm Rodriguez gets in there and you know is able to to show as a rookie that he can start an NFL level that would be huge and then if safety Deshaun Elliott and newly transitioned to cornerback Will Harris are you know just competent starters Mm -hmm. uh, would be massive for the secondary as well. So five if statements for the Lions (laughs) to be championship contenders.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I, 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 my favorite part last year was you texting me about how bad of a player Will Harris was starting a corner and like how bad the depth was for, for the Lions at that point in the season. So hopefully, hopefully they won't be in that situation again. Um, I'm actually just realized I, I missed the Tennessee Titans um, who are plus or plus four thousand forty to one? So they're they're supposed to be right before the Raiders. I think I just glanced over them for some reason, but I'm gonna do them real quickly and then pass it to you because then I think we'll be back on an order. Um, but the tendency tight Titans, like if Traylon and burst can be a perfect fit or replacement for AJ Brown, is not only just an over the middle guy, but like a guy that can generate a lot of yards after the catch. If Derrick Henry continues to perform at like an outlier level and kind of withstands that fifteen hundred carry threshold that you always like to talk about with rushing yards over expected, um, if the defense can again perform at a top ten level like they did last year, I think I think they a little bit overperformed based on some of the talent they had on the roster, which leads into my next statement. Like you know, if the corners can be surprisingly good again, um, you know Christian Fulton and the the slot corner from Washington, Elijah Molden can they like be, you know, above average corners again with, with elite safety play. I think they'll go a long way in helping the Titans to potentially stay relevant in a pretty crowded AFC.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of moving pieces for the Titans making, you know, a lot of smart people low on them this year, but there are some things that could happen for them to be right back in the mix there. Um, You know, wrapping, you know, starting to get to to the bottom of the list here. So Seattle Seahawks, um, if, Geno Smith just eats up the middle of the field early on in the season. Uh, you know, something the Seahawks offense wasn't able to do with Russell Wilson. Uh, maybe teams are not ready for it, or just wanting to stop Lockett and Metcalf on the outside and Geno can can throw over the middle of the field. If Charles Cross, you know, comes in and plays at a at a pretty good level to hold up the offensive line. Um, if Rashad Penny is the true RB1, they don't put him in a committee with Kenneth Walker or anything. I think Rashad Penny is one of the best rushers in the NFL right now. Um, you know, has had the best rushing yards over expected just of the 2021 season uh since 2019 uh according to to PFF's numbers. So, that would be huge for them. If Jamal Adams can be used in a better role and if they lean into, you know, more too high principles, our guy Sean Desai is there now, you know, helping out, helping Pete Carroll transition from single high to too high. And so Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs are going to be crucial for that transition. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to see how that unfolds.
1: Yeah, the Seahawks might not be like that. Good of a team this year, but I, I just want to see Sean Sean Desai succeed, mm-hmm. um, and hopefully the defense is at least like a, a top sixteen unit, which would be which would be an absolute um, uh, success in my opinion yeah. for that team. Um, so now I have the Chicago Bears one fifty to one. Like I, I really just struggled because I don't I mean like I just don't think these these guys are going to compete for a Super Bowl. They traded away Khalil Mack for a reason. They haven't even extended Roquan Smith, so. I mean, I don't even know like really what to say other than like if this off, like if Justin Fields takes a big step forward, but he's not even throwing the ball into anyone. So <laughs> it's like if Bellus Jones comes into the NFL, like Malcolm Brogdon does, like, like a really old uh, college player who played like the maximum amount of years he could play at college. And he's like he might be like one of the most more pro ready receivers in the draft. And he kind of has to show that to uh for the for the bears to be good and then the other one is like if um if robert quinn st- sticks around and potentially it can revitalize like a pretty dormant defense outside of him jalen johnson roquan and eddie jackson like can can he be a spark plug on on that defensive line because other than him there's really no one that can get after the passer
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, uh, the bears is really tough so you know props to you for for trudging through that for my last team the atlanta falcons uh, I just have no hope. There's no there's no amount of ish statements <laughs> I could string together for them to be championship contenders this year. Um, just tank, get Bryce Young, have him be throwing to Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and Calvin Ridley in 2023, and uh, and and go from there. Like Falcons, just just don't try to even be championship contenders, even if you could this year.
1: Yeah, I for the Texans, I just said uh, no way they sniff the Super Bowl, so <laughs> I I don't even yeah. <laughs> I think we ended on the same page there. <laughs> That's funny, but yeah, no, this this is
0: great. Um, you know, just shout out Bill Connolly for for kind of doing this for you know college football and like something that that kind of inspired this episode. And you know, it's it's cool to see see kind of like each team and like how many things need to go right for them to be championship contenders. You know, when we start at the top, it was going pretty quickly with with just one or two things to say for each team, but mm-hmm. not very long uh, towards the end there, but yeah, this is, this is a lot of fun. I'm, I'm glad we got to, to kind of talk about each, each of the 32 teams.
1: Yeah, no, this was, uh, this was great. And this was a really fun day of podcasting with this and, uh, the other interviews we had, so, you know, really, really enjoyed this, this wonderful Sunday.